Hey, what's going on, you guys? Welcome back to Forgiven AF Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Surface. Remember, we run this podcast as marketing material for our nonprofit, our mentorship program. It's called Second Chance Mentors. And if you're just tuning in for the first time today, what we do is we go to the alternative school here in Mansfield for the, the young men that have been kicked out for either fighting or drugs. They are sent to an alternative school. So we go to the school. We talk to the kids. I kind of share my past experiences with them. And then they have the option to join the program if they want to. Then in the program, our requirements are that they have to do two hours of community service every month. They have to have a sit-down goal-setting meeting with a mentor once a month. They have to do short-term, long-term goals, passing their classes, and have good attendance. And if every four months, if they're completing those things, then we take them and buy them a pair of Jordans. And that's kind of my favorite part because I'm really into shoes and and it's hard to find these, these. We have to find a way to make these kids want to do this, you know. So the shoes thing has been awesome. Um, we just went and got all the kids' shoes, and then Saturday, um, I was so worried about how it was going to go, but it was actually probably the best thing that we've had happen so far with the boys. We had Kenny Gant, who was he was nicknamed the Shark, and won two Super Bowls with the Cowboys in the '90s. He showed up and talked to our boys for about an hour, and it was incredible. He's actually a pastor now, so. I didn't realize that we were going to have the bonus of having that aspect around it, but um, he came and just poured into these boys and just seeing them light up with learning about how they should follow their dreams and and because of different circumstances in their life, they're not disqualified like they a lot of kids believe they are, especially coming from different communities, you know. Um, so he he was just super positive about you know you can do whatever you want to do, stay positive, and so it was really awesome. Um, so if you're listening, Kenny, thank you for coming, man. Um, you definitely had an impact on these boys' lives, and they were super engaged. But now to now to our today's show. Um, you know, I always say this, but I'm super excited about this. Uh, we have Kevin Carey, who actually just wrote a book called The Mountain Mover Manual. And you guys know, I'm very serious. I read all these books before I have someone come on and talk about their book, because I'm not just going to come out here and just make this stuff up. And I feel like I say this every time, but dude, <laughs> this book is incredible, man. You did an awesome job on this. Thank you. Thank um, you. Just the way that you approached it, the way you broke it down into sections, um, it made it to someone like me who's not like the most reading intellectual type. That's not like really my skill set. Yeah. Um, able to understand and see how to put this stuff into play. So first of all, thank you for being here, man. I'm really excited to have you. Uh, could you kind of share with our listeners kind of like who you are, where you're from, kind of just like a brief intro? Yeah, for sure, man. First, proud of you for that, setting up the second chance mentorships, that that order of operations, pouring into those kids. If they make it to the Jordan stage of things, you're making an impact. And yeah. kind of like this book and everything that we do, we're just trying to give one or two nuggets that can be taken away by somebody. And we, I commonly say small moments make a large impact. So it might just be what Kenny said, one sentence that just redirects somebody's path like it has so many of us. So in this book, hopefully there's one or two nuggets for people. But just backing up, first, passionate follower of God, uh, saved in 2012, uh, moved out from the south side of Chicago to Texas in 2010, met my queen, Sadie, around 2015 or 16, and then we have a beautiful princess, Quinn, that's about to turn six in August, and so live in Dallas-Fort Worth now. That's cool, man. Um, let me see here. One of the first things that you start, I'm just going to jump kind of right into this book Bring because it. there's so much, there's, like you said, if someone can get one or two nuggets, they spend some time in this book, they'll have more than that. Um, the first, when you start off in this book, you really, it kind of is, is like, hey, 
finding a purpose, the importance of finding a purpose, right? And I think that's so powerful because for so many years, I just kind of went through life just thinking, you know, what was the next step for me to have a career or to, for real, just trying to stay out of trouble for me. But, for sure. but I never really thought of myself as having a purpose. Maybe didn't even have like the self-esteem enough to think that I had a purpose. Um, how did you find your purpose in this book and how did this all come about? Yeah. So great question. The purpose is a journey, right? Like my expectation isn't for people to read this book and then boom, it's right there. Here are some tools, tips, and tricks to go about finding it. And so the reference in this book is the purpose solar system. So it was actually, a, I call it a gym vision. So like those endorphins are flying in the gym and I'm like, how do you articulate a purpose? And solar system came to my mind. And so like, what is the sun of your solar system that every planet of your life can revolve around? And you find your purpose through a journey that includes some failures. And you might not be ready in this season of life for your actual purpose. You got to go through some valleys. You got to move some mountains before you're ready for it. And so I had some false suns in my life. First one was money. And it led me down a dark path. How can faith, how can building a family, how can my friends, how can a career revolve around a son that small? If money's everything, it's going to turn you into a self-centered person. Maybe you'll pass some moral, ethical boundaries in order to get it, that sort of thing. And then my son changed from money to career. So I was grinding. I was like, all right, I'm going to make a name for myself. Again, still self-centered. And if career's my son, same thing. How does faith, how does family, how, does, how do those planets of my life revolve around that. And, and that led to some broken times in some really deep valleys that I'm sure we'll talk about the introduction of the book. But now I know my purpose from that, those valleys. And my purpose is to build an army of mountain movers one person at a time. Because that power of one, man, you, the purpose is infinite. You never know who you're going to be talking to and what they can do when they unlock their purpose. And it's just like building an army of mountain movers, is just positively impacting people, showing them that they can move the mountains in their life. And that life is so much bigger when you stop focusing so much on yourself and focus on something greater. Oh man, that is so good, dude. Can you kind of give a quick explanation of what the mountain is? Like kind of a, if you're using it as a, whatever the, what's the word? Not synonym, but a- uh, Analogy. An analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So- when you think of moving mountains, it's it's rooted in scripture, you know, predominantly Matthew 17, 20. And people that know me know I've been saying it for a long time, move mountains or mountain movers, but it's more than a fun expression. It's a call to action. And we're not talking about the physical structures, like actual physical mountains. It's what are the mountains in your life? So fear, doubt, anxiety, being hurt by others, addiction, rejection, failure, maybe a mix of all of those like it was in my life. What we got to do is know that those are just seasons of life. When you're in those deep valleys, you equate those mountains as this is life. This is it. This I just have to accept this. And it breaks my heart to know that so many people get stuck there and never push through. And so being able to push through, and I'm not there, right? I'm always fighting those mountains. That gets me charged up to talk to anybody about this because I'm through it now and I can look back because I know every single person on this planet is here for a divine reason, a purpose much beyond what they think they're here for. And if they can view those as seasons and push through and put in the effort, the consistency, the reps, set goals, all that sort of stuff, they're going to look on the other side of that and say, I freaking made it. I made it. I don't care 
how big the mountain you think is, and you can't compare to other people. Like you and I, we know our backstories. Yours might feel bigger than mine and vice versa. Yours is insurmountable to you. Mine was insurmountable to me. Our job is to push through it and get through it. And that takes mentors. That takes who you're rolling with. That takes those few words that impact your life. That takes leaning into faith. That takes a lot. It takes effort, hard work. You can't just say, okay, now I'm better. You got to put in the work. Dude, okay. Well, thank you guys for joining in today. I think that's all the information. No, I mean, I'm just playing, obviously. But, dude, I could go on and on about what you just said. Let me hit two things. Yeah. One, um, a person might not be ready for their purpose. Yes. Hit me hard because I wouldn't have known. I feel now my purpose is helping young men um, overcome things and to be able to be successful in life. Like, I feel like that's my purpose. Sure. Um, But if I hadn't gone through the drug addictions and the prison and having to find mentors to help me overcome my stuff, I wouldn't have any of the um, the necessary tools to be able to help these boys like I do now. So That's like right. you're right, you have to go, sometimes God won't put us in situations, but he'll allow us to walk through situations because of what we'll be able to do on the back end, right? Yeah, and, and even in those valleys, you're watering the grass beneath, beneath your feet. Because like for me, if I started this journey with the son of being trying to positively impact people, not even positively impacting myself. Mm. Like that's why they say on planes, when the oxygen mask drops, put yours on, put first. yours on first, because you got some work to do before you could start mentoring others. And if we so kind of screw up that order of operations, it might feel fake. You haven't walked the talk. You're not ready yet. So everybody has their journey and their season. In these discussions, my hope is not that again, magic genie, you know, your purpose, but maybe you can accelerate your journey, yeah. learn from our mistakes, because you're going to make your own mistakes and just be better for it and accelerate what is my purpose. Start thinking about it now. Yeah. I had to drudge my way through it in order to get to a point of what even is a purpose? Why do I need a purpose? Yeah. No, it, it's it, so good. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. But every time you say something, I'm like, oh, oh, that's so good. Um, it all... It also reminds me, like we we kind of discussed a little bit in the beginning of how many people are just standing there at the base of their mountain. I mean, and you said this already, but, and are just like, well, looks like this, there's my mountain. I'm stuck right here. Like they don't realize that you can overcome those things or get past them or, yeah. and I feel like there's probably a lot of people that are stuck in that sort of situation, you know? You know that question that, hey, if you could go back and change anything, would you? And the cliche answer you're supposed to say is nothing. Like- and, and there's a lot of truth to that. I was on a panel recently. It was actually a women in construction panel. And they asked this. And the one thing I wish I could do is in those moments, just know that this too shall pass. Because I can think of two times in my life. The intro of the book, when I let the cat out of the bag to my buddy Jeff, and I called my boss and said, hey, I'm going away for three weeks. I understand if I don't have a job at the other end. I thought my life was over. That was it. I was checking out. The other one was when I got arrested in another state and it was, I was looking at some uh, felonies again. That's it. That's it. I screwed up. This was the, this was the last straw and luckily got through that and got those dismissed and all that sort of stuff. But in those moments, that's it. And it's kind of like now through these experiences and failures, it increases our self-awareness and that's where we need to be instead of learning everything back in hindsight and looking back and being like, oh, I should have seen that coming. No, I, I know that past 
mistake, I could be more self-aware when some of the things start happening that might lead me there again. So trying to increase our self-awareness and reduce how many lessons we have to learn in hindsight. Yeah, that's good, right? So you don't have to go through the same thing again? Yes. Which we probably both did enough. (laughs) And still do. (laughs) It's so true. Um, You don't have to dive into it too much, but a lot of my listeners, uh, a lot of our listeners, they know um, about my past fighting with addiction and overcoming that. And um, and you kind of touched on a little bit. I know that you weren't super comfortable in the beginning, but no. I feel like reading the introduction is what tied me into this book because I know the man you are now. And when I read that in your introduction, I was like, I need to finish the rest of this book to figure out how he went from this to, you know, and I'm not putting you on a pedestal because I know you don't like that, but I yeah. mean, you're successful and you've got a beautiful family and you're serving in church. You've got a great, you're in the construction community and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's not so. Like I was. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the introduction opened my um, eyes to be able to say like. So, can you just dive into a little bit why you weren't comfortable with sharing that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm trying to think small, medium, large on on the story. We'll go medium. And so, first, I have a mentor in my life, Keon Zandi, and I call him my oracle. So, if you ever seen the movie Matrix, when he goes sees the oracle and he's bewildered eating the cookie after yeah. every interaction with this guy is like that. And we had toyed about writing this book and I, and he's, we just, you know, high level stuff. And one day I walked into his office and he spoke this grand vision, like, this is it. Look at the impact you're going to make. And he didn't even know the intro yet. And so I wrestled with that idea. The very next morning I was warming up on the elliptical, get ready to, uh, to work out. And I really protect my yes on goals and initiatives. Cause once I say yes, there's no turning back. And in that moment, I just, in my head said, yes, I will do it. And immediately the worship music started just in chorus. Say yes, you were lost in the wilderness. Say yes, say yes to the Lord, hallelujah. And just started ugly crying, man. So like this dude on the elliptical, like a lunatic ball and crying, everybody was probably like, I'm out on this guy. And so like, there's some, there's some practical moments that'll lead, lead to the answer, I swear. We started laying out the chapters, but this introduction didn't exist. And then I was in church at Life Church. Firm Foundation was the song that was on. And God rifled a word to me. He said, hey, you know that story that you're shameful of? You don't want anybody to know? You're starting the book with that story. Man, that just and gave I, me chills. And I looked behind me and I was like, hey, you writing a book as well, bro? Like, was that for the guy behind me? And some of those words that we hear, like we're excited about to help people. I was not excited about this one. And now that the it's in there, it humanizes things. This isn't a book that says, look how successful I am, therefore you should listen. It's through brokenness, yeah. I've used these tools, tips, and tricks to radically impact my life. That's so good, dude. So the next kind of section, I've kind of broken this down. You broke the, you broke the book down into like three sections or from one, is that kind of right? Yeah. Okay. So in the first one, we hit the intro, talking about purpose. And I'm not going to give away too much of your book. Oh, you can do whatever, man. Because I, I want people to get it and yeah. themselves. Um, show me your friends and I'll show you your future is oh. basically what I get. Your tribe, right? Yes. Like, like how powerful that is. And your tribe has to be made up of, I love how you broke it up into sections. You have different, you know, you have a mentor and then you have, you know, your family, then you have friends and, you, you know, there's different sections and people can speak into different parts of your life. And so it's okay to be able to have more than just one mentor. You oh, know? Totally. So I thought that that was really powerful. And then the next part was, um, and I want you to explain this in your words, but I, I'm just going to call it diving in. Yeah. Right? Like 
kind of what sort of stuff did you, is that something you had to almost teach yourself when you were starting to write this book that, Hey, um, I got to take all the what ifs out or the, what could go wrong or what are people going to think about me and just dive in. Right. So that chapter is called ditch the excuses and take the next step. And it's a, it's such a critical chapter because that's where people get stuck. They got, they got goals, aspirations, dreams, but they don't put in the work. And I, I coach people like executive coaching and group workshops, and I collect goal sheets from them and all that sort of stuff. And they have all these aspirations, but they don't put in the work. And so like busyness of life, like we're all busy. Yeah. Like if you're going to wait until you're not busy to start a better habit, you're never going to start it. You just have to take the next step. And so like when you go through the goals of, uh, of, of my book, my goals might be radical to you. You're not, your goal isn't to compare notes. You just have to take that, that dial and just crank it one notch. So if it's diet or exercise and you're just starting, it's buying running shoes or it's, I'm going to work out two times a week. I'm going to ditch chocolate, like just one thing at a time. And I think either people try, they don't start at all, or they just try to run up or jump out of the car while it's going 50 miles per hour. And then they fall on their face. That's what I was just going to say. So many people start off with these unrealistic um, plan for their goals. Like, like you said, I'm going to work out every day and I'm going to eat right. And then they have the first day they miss and it's like, they've completely failed and they quit. Totally. Instead of just being, let's start with two days. Yes. Next month we'll crank it up to three and it's less likely to just fall off in the middle of your, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and you and I are probably in a similar journey, but we've put years into getting to that point. We're now like, I'm just trying to crank this one thing. Okay. What did I fail at in 2022? eating my daughter's snacks after dinner. I'm going to create a nerd spreadsheet now, and I'm only going to allow two bad snacks a month because I got the diet or I got the exercise in check. I show up. I love it. Yeah. There's so many more benefits beyond physical fitness. My goodness. But setting that accountability and that goal, I took the next step. And the next step was creating a nerd spreadsheet that had every day of the year labeled out and zeros or ones. Did I, did I pass or fail? And it holds me accountable when I'm staring in that pantry like those cheese. It's look good, bro. It gets me out of there, man, because I, I, I'm preaching this stuff. I better be walking the talk. And in seven months, I was able to hit a stretch fitness goal because I, I just took that next step and then the next one and then the next one. That's awesome, dude. And it's so smart. So now we're getting into the second section, okay? Um, I like how you say goal setting is easy. Sit, anyone can sit here and say, oh, I'm going to lose 100 pounds or... I'm going to write a book or anyone you can goal setting is super simple, right? Yeah. But it's the getting your hands dirty and starting and follow through is where it becomes hard, right? Yes. Cause you hear all the time, set goals, set goals. Well, if you don't have a plan to go with the goal, then what do you have a dream? Totally. Kind of like, you know, so, um, and then I never heard anyone say about categorizing their goals. Can you kind of explain that part? Cause that's kind of, I've never heard that. Yeah. I will say first off, maybe I'm going to offend some people. New Year's resolutions to me is a cuss word. Like everybody sets, I'm going to lose 15 pounds in January. You know, maybe it's weight gain, maybe it's weight loss. I'm going to use the lose 15 pounds as an example. And then by February, just like you see the gym clear out, you forget about that goal. You're not on fire for it anymore. But what I'm trying to break the habit of is what if you, it, I call it rocking chair moments. You look back on at your life and you set, I'm going to lose 15 pounds 30 times and you only achieve that four times. What if you would have achieved that and then the next one and then the next one, you could have far out punted any dreams or ceiling that you've had on your life. 
And so that's what we're trying to unlock. And I know we're kind of diving into physical fitness, but to your question, it's the whole person. So I have a goal achieving worksheet and I fill it out myself and it covers physical, family, spiritual, work. And, it, it, and I want to cover, there's two main goals. So like consistency goals. So that category in, in each one of those buckets, like I can do it with the man I am today. I just got to keep showing up. So an example of that would be reading a book. I know how to read. I just have to do it. And then stretch goals are like, I, I cannot do it as the man I am today, but through some hard work, maybe I can get there. That's good. And so one year, one of my physical goals was a marathon, run a marathon. I had, I had only ran a 5K up to that point. And, and one of the chapters is about publicize your goals. And that's an accountability piece, not a, hey, look at me. If I share on a podcast, this is my goal, or send it to my tribes, there is no freaking turning back. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's my, when I publicize it, it's game on. There's, there's no looking back at this point. When you share it with people, it holds you a little bit more accountable. And that that's like ditching the excuses. Yeah. It's like, all right, I said, I'm going to be this person, daggum, and I'm going to go be it. No, I love that. And in order to have that sort of accountability by voicing it, it goes back to making sure that you have that right tribe in place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if you're sharing something with somebody who is also not achieving goals and is also not really, you know, putting much initiative into doing good, it's pretty easy to, to fail on that person and not really care that much, right? Yeah. So it's important to make sure that you're telling people these goals that you have a level of respect that you don't want to let them down almost. Yes. You know what I mean? So, um, and I love, love, love. I have all these stars and all this stuff about the rocking chair moment. Like, because I do that, but didn't realize I do that, especially with my son. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want my son to turn 25 and me to look back and be like, man, I wish I would have spent more time with him when he wanted to spend time with me. Oof. So that's one that gets me hardcore. I saw one of your shorts about uh, like the YouTube shorts about yeah. dad, 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 as I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling through the phone, phone, we're yeah. all freaking guilty of that. God, so so one of my consistency goals for family is put the phone up for one hour a day Yeah, and I put it in a drawer and it can't count what, like if I'm taking a nap yeah, yeah. or it's like, it's gotta be with your family. Yes. Yeah. And that phone calls my name from the kitchen. Kevin, I miss you. <laughs> Come thumb through social media. It, you know, the, and, and that's the problem with the phone. That's so good. And there are times, there's so many times, dude, where when that phone's up, if it wouldn't been up, I'm thumbing through and I'll just look across the couch and see my daughter watching TV and it'll just warm my heart. She's not doing anything. She's, yeah. I'm just watching her face and how she's reacting to TV. And I'm like, soak this in, brother, because you're going to be teaching her to drive tomorrow. That's so soon, right? Yeah. yeah. Man, that's awesome. So that rocking chair moment, if y'all take that... Write that down because if you can start looking at life as when I'm 70 and I'm sitting, you know, on the porch by myself, do I want to sit back and be like, dang, I had all these things that I meant and wanted to do, but I let, you know, self-sabotage or laziness or uh, self-doubt or, yes. you know what I mean? There's so many different things that could keep us from trying to pursue the things that we want to do on the inside, you know? And it's hard to, it's, it's, that's a really hard thing to see in this season but there's actual factual data. This is an opinion that people in their retirement homes, that's the number one thing they regret. Yeah. Not living life to the fullest. Like I, I've never been a big dreamer. That that lever's kind of broken in my life. Like low ceiling, bro. Like I, I had very low goals, but being consistent in the moment, looking at the whole purpose or person, showing up each day to the best of my ability has outpunted anything I could ever dreamed of. Yeah. I, I can't set that. There are great visionaries out there that can cast the craziest vision, 
but can they integrate it? Yeah, I'm an integrator, not so much a visionary. And I'm kind of the opposite. I'm I'm kind of the big visions, but I don't know how to make the steps to get there. Tag so, team, bro. So to, that's you got to in your tribe. You got to find people that complement your weaknesses. Yeah, that's like true. the tribes piece. Like you got to find people. It, I, I'm blessed to be surrounded by such amazing people. And when like Paul Facina, you know, shout out to him, servant yeah. heart, awesome dude. He introduced us, and he talked so highly of you, and he was energetic as he always is. And then real recognizes real, right? So we go, yeah. we get immediately deep at a lunch. And and I'm just blessed to have those people introduce other people. You might be outside looking in on that, and you can't even put names to categories like Bill, Tom, Samantha, Bill. Like you have to maybe categorize a type of person. I want to learn, I want to learn from a business leader. Who is the best father that I know? Like and I'm not even a father yet. And Josh Carson was that in my life. Like, yeah. I want to learn. I'm going to watch what he does. I, I remember he uh, he took his daughter to a daddy-daughter dance. He wore a suit, brought her flowers. And it just, like, I've never seen that before, like Southside Chicago. Yeah. That's, I, maybe it was a thing. I've never seen it. And I'm like, I can't wait to do that someday. And yeah, so I got cool. to do it for the first time this year. You know, suited up, man. Was and it awesome? <laughs> it was overplayed in my head because I hadn't played that played out how it would actually go. But like I had this whole vision in mind of what it would go like. And then as soon as we showed up, she saw her friends and she ditched me, (laughs) (laughs) but still it was, it was still, uh, it's the getting ready to have the dad to go there with. I mean, dude, do you know how many young women right now don't even have a father around to, to do anything like that with them? For sure. Like, and then, yeah, so that's just, you guys know how big we are in fatherhood. That's something that I think that that's like one of the staples to making our community the way it is, is having good fathers, you know? Oh yeah. So rocking chair moment. I'll leave that alone because, but I will, that's something that I'm going to continue to reevaluate, you know, every couple of years or even more than that. What am I going to look back and feel about, you know, my life? Yeah. Is there stuff that I need to change now to make sure that I'm happy with how I feel at the end? And again, trying to tie these principles back in like one step at a time, like don't overhaul it completely where you try to ditch the phone completely. That's not sustainable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I don't remember what the math is. I don't have my phone in front of me, but like five minutes a day equals 30 hours a year or something like it's, that. It's like, crazy, right? so like, what is one hour a day equal? Obviously yeah. 365 hours. That's numerous that days you of your, with your family. You're yeah. putting time in your pocket. Like so that's good. so powerful. Yeah. So you just have to start it one step. I want to right now make a public declaration that I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start with 30 minutes because sometimes I don't get home till late in 30 minutes. Everyone's trying to fall asleep on me anyway, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to make a conscious effort to do that because I just, I know that that's a problem that I struggle with is my phone. Um, I can have my mom. I mean, my mom, yeah, it's her too, but my wife and my son, you know, tell me, you know, dad, I want, and, and I can still just kind of, I'll even get frustrated at them. Like, I'm not on my phone though. I'm working or I'll yeah, get, yeah, yeah, yeah. make some excuse, but I can easily put my phone down for an hour. Totally. Okay. So let's see. Third section, um, walking the walk and showing up. That was just kind of like, uh, sometimes we don't have to have it all figured out. No, nope. sometimes we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to be, but just showing up is like the hardest part. Yeah. And walk the talk is such a, profound thing for me. Like I, if you're, if you're saying one thing, but in the shadows, you're acting a different way. I promise you it's going to get shoveled out eventually. And people want to be around people that are authentic. And, and so like it it ties to that, let your weirdness out chapter. I don't want to skip ahead of, of what you're talking about, but like at first I'm a lot to take, like I'm a super weirdo. 
But when people understand, like, oh, that's not a show. That he, passion. He, that's yeah. just that's just who he is. Like, yeah. even the introverts accept me, and, and and vice versa. And so, walking the talk is just it, it's it's simple yet difficult to do. Like, if you say you're going to do something, go do something. And like, my, commonly people ask me, like, hey, you're in construction. Do you want your daughter to be in construction? No. It, the answer is not yes or no. I don't care. What I want her is to walk the talk. I want her to set goals. I want her to care about people. I want her to build character traits. So whatever profession she goes in, she will do it at a level of excellence. And so like those second chance mentor kids, like it's not driving them into a specific career. It's driving them into excellence in whatever career. And also letting them know that you could go find anything. Like give me one of those kids versus a 4.0 G point, uh, 4.0 grade point average and I could see more character in that person, I'm going to hire that person because I've learned. Like, that's just a piece yeah. of paper. This person might have some grit and have some character build. I could teach you the widget yeah, that's all good. day long. That's really good. And and I do I do have your weirdness out chapter because I think because <laughs> it's so funny to let your weirdness out. I think it's so true. Um, sometimes we try to, like, hide different things about ourselves. And, you know, sometimes we're hiding what's unique and what's special. Totally. Or, um and how are you ever going to be the best version of yourself if you're hiding parts of, you know what I mean? And what makes us special is that we're weird and unique and different, right? Yeah. A whole bunch of me around is not, you know, that's going to be boring. So a whole bunch of anyone, we need to have that diversity and that, and be able to show it. Yeah, it was, that, that was my, the most fun chapter to write. So like some of them were painful and I cried. Other ones, I was lighting up and laughing because every story is absolutely real in there. And so there are some shout outs in that with people that I've worked with before. And I could just think of some dudes that, uh, and ladies that in the interview, they're like, you know, well-mannered, well-manicured, putting their best face forward. Kind of like if you're like on a dating app and you're going to get your best picture, that first date, you're going to show up the best person you possibly can be. And that might get you a second date, but that's not what's going to get you to marriage. You know, like who you really are is who somebody wants to be with forever. And same with your job. Like you have a unique skill set to our earlier point to bring to this world. And it's my job to unlock that as a leader. And so that same person that comes in well-mannered six months later, their true self is out. And it's because they're, as a leader, I allow that. Like I want you to be yourself and there's always limits to that, right? Like not the creepo putting burgers (laughs) under his desk type thing, but like a person that is being unique, their true self. And when you do that with a team, that team becomes a high performance team because there's a level of trust, authenticity in the construction industry. It's brutal, man. Like we're still behind the times on a lot of things and it's very difficult. Why not sprinkle some hope and some light into that and make things fun because when we got to go to battle, we're banded together and, and everybody in their true self. And, you know, you, you'll be if you walk around the office, you'll hear echoes of random words, Nerf gun battles, like trying to make people laugh in the conference room. And it just like if I'm a fly in the wall as a leader in one of my people's uh, how, homes for dinner, are they cussing the company or are they saying, man, they let me be myself and I feel valued there and uh, I just love what I do. That's and, th- awesome. and that's that's important to me. That's yeah. the purpose, positively impacting people. That's really good. It's the same way when you have a gym full of trainers. Um, you don't want to have a bunch of the same trainer there. That's boring, especially, you know what I mean? So our members like having the diversity of different trainers, different personalities, different. So we give them a structure of this is how we run the gym, but you're the fr- free to be yourself for the rest of it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't care what personality you bring to train with, you know, as long as it's caring and loving and enthusiastic, but... 
So it's, we don't, we don't really have that. You have to be this exact person to work here to, Dude, um, one of the broken things in me right now, my daughter's in gymnastics and I got to remind myself and my wife does a good job of reminding me, babe, she's five. Cause like <laughs> I'm in the stands and I'm like, there's no effort going into this right now. And the coach was being very passive. And so like, you probably hate this. Like, as like I came down as the parent at the end and the coach, the gymnastics coach was saying like, Oh, you know, she's just not really picking it up. That sort of thing. I'm like, can you crank the intensity like yeah can yeah. you be no more miss mrs nice girl to her like and just <laughs> yeah. like lay the law down and she and her eyes lit up like i got permission to do that i'm like oh yeah yeah big time changed immediately she was making a friend like that's uh, she needs a trainer yeah you know what i mean yeah, that like sure. holds them accountable and then the effort increase and, and now i'm cheering in the stands rather than so like cool. and then they freaking start, out and you're teaching your daughter about coachability to be coachable it's okay if this lady's gonna be a little bit tougher on you or have a little it's out of her wanting you to be better. Yes. Some kids never learn how to deal with that. Oh. And therefore, then they become high school kids arguing with teachers. They get jobs. They can't work with managers. They can't because they've never allowed someone to coach them. Who I didn't even think about this till we're talking right now. That that participation trophy mentality that I'm going to reward you even when you're when you're not doing a great job yeah. and not being tough as a coach as a kid is going to lead you in your leadership to not be able to have a crucial conversation with somebody when they're screwing up. So good. Yeah. And so like that whole crap sandwich thing. Do you know what that is? When you're leading yeah, somebody, you're you like, have to say you're good, so good, bad, good, this, but this. Get yeah. rid of that. I, I I don't believe in that. Like if you're doing good, I'm going to specifically come up to you and praise you, most likely publicly. If you're not doing a good job, I'm going to call you in the office privately and we're going to talk through it together. I owe that to you. Like if you're not willing to have a crucial conversation and rifle what they need to hear, you're not allowing them to be their true self or you're giving them an inability to grow into who they could be. That's so good. We just turned this into a parenting podcast, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's leadership it's so too. legit. No, it's so good. I, I'm not upset about it. I love it. Um, I love that you said in the book, was it from... So I feel like one thing I say about myself is that I went from a dope dealer to a hope dealer. Like that's, <laughs> oh, that's, okay. that's something that I've always used, right? Yeah. From dope dealer to hope dealer. Yeah. And then you also discuss in your book about being a hope dealer. Yeah. Um, what is your, what, how do you explain that? It's tied to the purpose, right? Like there's a lot of darkness in the world. And I remember somebody telling me, um, even a one watt, watt light bulb shines bright in a dark room. Right. And so like, it's not a huge thing. It's, Every day we have an opportunity to positively impact people. I don't care where you're at in this world. It's a smile in the drive-through line at McDonald's. It's a it's a compliment to at the grocery store, the banker. I had I remember this one dude, a parking lot attendant at a general general contracting office, where my dad instilled this in me. It doesn't matter who it is; like he could talk to him and and treat him like a human being. You would like think well, duh, but that doesn't happen in society. No. And so I would, before I'd go into this client's office, I'd talk to this dude all the time. And I loved him. He was a great guy. And by the time like we, we built this relationship, what, he would see me pull up. He would sprint out of the booth to come talk. Because for every one person that even says hello, there's about 20 or 30 people that, just, that pass him right by like he yeah. doesn't exist. And so one day, I was on a date, and there was nowhere to park for this date. And I'm like, man, I wonder if, I wonder if he's working tonight. And I pulled into that garage, and he was there. And he got out. He goes, "You park in the handicap. Like you, you get the, <laughs> you get the front row, bro." And like, I'm still courting at this point, so I'm like, you know, check me out. <laughs> like you know? I got pull, but that's 
that's dealing hope. Like the, in that in that person's world, like they feel seen, valued, heard, appreciated, and that's so, what we need so to do. Good. Even if it doesn't come with the benefit of like the park, the handicap parking spot, like that's just that, a benefit. That's a byproduct. Yeah, that's just a benefit that's of a, you treating people right. Totally, and that's so good. I actually, I I've said this on this podcast so many times, so people know I have a problem with uh, almost being controlled by what people think about me. I, I so, hear that. So in every interaction I have throughout the day, whether it's like you said, gas station attendant, whether it's a grocery store clerk, whether it's someone in the gym, like if I can't get us, I like am consciously trying to get a smile out of people yeah. in every interaction. And if I don't, I almost feel like, hmm, I wonder what I like, wonder what's wrong. Like it's important for me to see people happy and to see people like after an interaction, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's just goes along with the same thing of just pushing hope and people happiness. And yeah. Just, and I think that's a power. Like, it, there's there's a fault to a fault you could do that right where you start getting self conscious and all that sort of stuff, but pre deciding like I'm gonna go try to make somebody smile today like simple stuff it, that takes a mindset sh- shift and intentionality. So like we're talking about hope dealing, like I'm talking about any weakness. So one of my weaknesses is remembering names. I will forget your name as I'm shaking your hand, but if I go into this meeting and I'm like. I'm going to learn Sean's name if it's the last thing I do. I don't care about anything else in this conversation. I've shifted my mindset to now focus on knowing your name. And then I make it a game at like conferences. I'm like, how many can I stack up? But if I don't do that, I'm going to forget everybody. And then everybody's chief boss, buddy boy, like <laughs> what whatever the case may be. No, that's great. And another, what I also love about that is a lot of people will just take, like, let's say you're not good at names, right? A lot of people will just claim that as part of their identity. Oh, I'm not good at names. They so therefore they don't even have to try anymore. That's they just, right. They just give up on trying because in their identity it's oh I'm not good with names. It is what it is. But it is what it is. But that's not true. You know what I mean? Like okay, so you haven't found a way to remember names yet. So you just give up and claim you're not good with it. No. Yeah. Come up with one of those little skills. Make something to rhyme with it. Or there's tons of different ways I've learned, and I'm not good with it at all because I'm so busy worried about what I'm going to say next that I'm not listening to the guy say his name. Totally. And <laughs> if you don't recognize that and and prepare before you go in, yeah. you're going to keep doing that. And I don't know if I'm going to roll if we're, if you're going to roll into this. So I don't want to steal your thunder, but the whole playing offense thing, like being proactive and prioritizing, sometimes failures in defense require like in reflection, make you play offense. And that story of the book is about swearing. So I'm from the South side of yeah. Chicago. We use the F word like a placeholder when you're thinking like, and I'm in construction, like double duty. Yeah. Right. And so I've always said that exact thing. Like, I'm just not like you just said, I'm not good at saying names. Like I just swear. Yeah. And my wife would tell me as my daughter was two and three and getting a little older, like, this isn't good, man. Like you swear like crazy. Catch me doing a home improvement project. Like every other word is a, not a good word. And then my daughter started saying the F word oh, and she on repeat, like the first time I'll never forget it. We were pulling out of a parking lot and the truck kind of jostled and then out of the back seat, my four-year-old daughter goes, ah, oh, what the? And I look, I'm like, oh no, maybe there was an accident. Maybe I heard her wrong. And the next day she did it again. And I was like, no more Christmas, no more birthday. Like I threw the gauntlet at her. Instead she, of looking at yourself. Instead being... of looking in the mirror, she's hearing it from me. Yeah. And so I looked in the mirror and said, ditch the excuse. You're from Chicago construction. That's a cop out. That's so good. Nerd spreadsheet again, just like right in the book, just like um, every goal that I have every day of the year, I started counting my goal, uh, my swears Yeah. and just starting to count them greatly reduced them. Who I was probably saying 40 a day. 
It started at eight when I was tracking them, then six, then five, then three, then two, then one. And by the second half of, I think this was last year, no more swears. You, you got to be hard pressed to see me swear. So you can put in the work. Like we're not just giving these examples that we haven't lived. Like I'm trying to walk the talk on these because I recognize a weakness. I'm now, I'm trying to break a chain for my daughter. There's many chains that yeah. we need to work on. This is one that, why would I give her? Why am I going to do this to her? Be better. Look in the mirror. Be better. Yeah. And sometimes it takes, for me, there's a lot of things in my life that I've had to change because of my son. Yeah. Um, because, and maybe just things that I didn't see the value or the worth in myself to make the changes. But now I'm like, oh, I never really saw that big of a problem with me doing this or that. But now my son, that what my pastor um, used to say, what walks in you will run in your kid. Oh, that's a word right it there, It makes man. me want to cry just saying that. Because I know it. I know how powerful that is. And I've already seen little things, you know, that walk in me start running in my son. Mm. And, and it's scary and it's dangerous. And it's just, it's our position to, to try to avoid that, you know, to try to help our kids be better than us. And that's, dude, I don't know if you and I talked about this at lunch, but the intro to this book, this wasn't designed Again, I didn't want it in the book, but started some of the things I'm starting to see helping others, but like my family at home, like this intro to the book, like I believe strongly that there's genetics involved. Yeah. So my daughter is going to be at a disadvantage. She's around two other people so good. that they're all partying. They decide to take that next step. Those two might be able to pull out of it. She won't. No, you're she, so... She's going to go down, dude. Addiction runs strongly in my family. My mother has struggled with it. All sides of my family has struggled with it. And it is something that... It's hereditary. Um, oh, we never talked about it. Yeah. I don't know if that's a geographical thing or just like an older thing. But now there's going to be a day where I give this book to my daughter when I think she's old enough to be ready and say, Princess, I want you to read the first 10 pages... And then we're, you and I are going to go to lunch. And we'll talk about it. And yeah. just any questions you have, let's just get it out in the open because keeping it secret from her has way more power than exposing it and bringing it to light where then she can, doesn't have to wonder. And Well, at least she's better equipped. She still might make her decisions, but at least I could tell her like peer pressure is a thing. Like you might not even want to do it at first. And then the, it's only the only thing you want to do eventually. I'm sorry, babe, but I've given this to you. Like it, it's in you. And yeah. so be prepared that God. if you decide to go down that path, it's going to rock you a lot harder than every other That's person so in good, the room. Dude. So good. But I didn't see that coming, but now I have it. Yeah. And like, if I could do that for all my friends, kiddos, like I'll go have that lunch with them. If, you know, if yeah, it's in the yeah, genetics yeah. and it can help. And that's what, you know, that's probably why God, that's one of the many reasons why he made that prompt to put this intro in it. it there's a bigger reason in there. It, it, it'll it mean everything to me and it's done its job if it's my daughter, but if it's a thousand people, let's go. Yeah, no, and it will. And the intro made the book so much more powerful in my opinion, because I was able to connect to it right away. So a couple things that I can't forget to ask for one, um, how can our listeners find you, find the book, find, you know what I mean? Your Instagram, your, you know, all that. Yeah. So uh, I have a website called mountainmoverarmy.com and that has, uh, you can sign up to get on a daily motivation. I send a daily motivation email out every weekday. It has our podcast, 1720 podcast, that's had some amazing guests on it. 
the book Mountain Mover Manual you can find on that website or just search it on Amazon. I'm going to leave you with a few signed copies to give away to listeners or some of those kiddos Sweet, that you yeah. just see, you think the world of. Uh, at C-A-R-E-Y-K-J-C is Instagram. Uh, I'm no Sean, though, on that. Like, you have a beast following. I'm, I, I'm more of like a LinkedIn guy. That's where, that's where my people hang out. But those are the ways you could reach out. That's awesome. Um, what's next? And I, so I know, you know, you I know. do know <laughs> some of which I actually can't say, but like, that's also a weakness of mine is like, I don't view this book as a starting line. I view it as a finish line. So it's like, not though. I know it's just the starting point, dude. Right. And I, I, I feel like something's cooking. I don't know what it is, but I had like 20 people in the past two weeks say, you have no idea. This is just the beginning. I'm getting the chills just saying that, yeah. but I do like to move on to the next hard thing. And I'm, I'm working on a business. Um, I, I have the existing businesses of pouring into people um, and just continuing to figure out ways to live out this purpose, the sun of my life, to just build an army of mountain movers one person at a time. That's so good, dude. Um, this is the last question. This is kind of like our staple question that I ask every single person that's been on this show. Yeah. If you had a piece of advice to give a 16-year-old kid, a high school kid, um, it could even be yourself. Like when you were 16, is there a piece of advice or something that you wish you knew when you were 16? Um, do you have anything? Oh man, I, I don't even know how I wrap that up into one thing. There could be multiple. But the mountains in your life that you're going to face, the people that you're rolling with are going to radically impact your life, either in a good way or a bad way. And just know when you're going through a tough time, that's not your identity. You can get on the other side. It does take work. It does take faith. It does take getting people around you that can help you. But those are just mountains that you can move. And I believe that you are on this planet for a profound reason. I don't care where you're at in this world. You can make a profound impact if you lean into and figure out a purpose that's bigger than yourself. That's so good, dude. That was perfect. Um, and it is. It's so true. And those mountains that people get stuck behind, whether it can be depression or anxiety or just low self-esteem, there's just so many mountains there's so many mountains. Don't give up. Don't get stuck behind that mountain. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show and doing this with me, man. This is even better than I thought it could be. Um, you got anything to say before we're done? Or? I'm just proud of you and proud to know you, man. I, I know. I've really enjoyed this friendship that we've kind of, that's blossomed. Dude, we went to lunch for the first time a couple of weeks ago and two and a half hours later, it yeah. felt like we were, I was like, man, we didn't even order yet. That we got like, deep. <laughs> and that's the cool thing. When you cut through the BS... Like him, Sean and I started very quickly talking about where we're failing at home, yeah. how we need to get better. This wasn't a like, I'm going to pump, no. look how cool I am. No, yeah. it's like broken. <laughs> That's how I, and we started like yep. doing one of these, not a one up contest, Almost but a like, one down <laughs> who's more broken. <laughs> Not really, but. but that's vulnerability and yeah. vulnerability is power. And, and, and that is a mountain in your life until you start stepping in it and make it consistent. And then, and then that falls behind you because you yeah. put it out in the atmosphere. You're so not scared good. of it anymore. That's so good. Hey, listen, you guys, you're loved and you're forgiven and there's nothing you can do about it. We'll see you guys soon. <laughs>